Section 22 of The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa Green. The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies by Ethel Mary Brody. Faith, Chapter 4. At seven o'clock sharp, Faith met Pierre Gaspard at Raymar's restaurant. Raymour's was a restaurant of the elite, but the patronage of the elite is no standard by which to judge the mental or moral tone of any restaurant in New York or anywhere else. The great and the gay frequented Raymour's. Diamonds and sham brilliance shone side by side in the general brilliance, and the world rolled on easily and smiled at Raymour's. The decorations of Raymour's were as elaborate as their prices. The walls of the main room were covered with mirrors, and between the mirrors were frescoes of beautiful figures, representing the seasons, flowers, and music. Frescoes decorated the ceiling with rosy cupids and downy clouds, and gilded stucco work in rose reliefs outlined mirror and fresco. A thick, soft rose carpet covered the floor in harmony with the tone color of the room, gilt tables inlaid with marble and gilt chairs, cushioned with pink plush were placed here and there among the palms and ferns. Huge vases of pink and white roses were scattered through the room, giving the effect of a garden of flowers and greenery. Pink shades sheltered the quaint electric lamps on each table, and the clusters suspended from the ceiling were encased in globes of so dark a pink that the light fell with a soft sunset glow over the room. White and pink carnations and lilies of the valley, entwined with smilax, stood in pretty cut-glass vases on every table, and in the center of the room a fountain played, the water trickling over a mass of nile-green crystals representing icicles. And around the edge of its marble basin was a fringe of mosses, thick with violets and floating on the water's surface were white and pink water-lilies. The fountain was lit up with huge electric lights. It was very gay and gaudy and gorgeous and very New York. Had the waitresses of the Boniface seen Faith Winston at the moment she entered this room with Pierre Gaspard, they would not have recognized her for the same person they had known. She was in an evening costume of palest violet. A chain of amethysts, dark and lustrous, circled her neck, and a large brooch of pearls and diamonds fastened a bertha of old lace at her breast. She hardly seemed Faith Winston as she glided across the room in a long lace cloak and feather boa. How surprised Betty would have been! She looked like a queen and walked like one. Pierre thought her more beautiful than ever. Every line of her graceful form and refined features, every pose of her head, every light that flashed in her eyes was ravishing to him, more so now than ever it had been in the past. The circumstances of their present meeting cast a glamour of mystery and romance around them. To be alone with Faith, under such conditions, was exciting and rapturous in the extreme. Pierre loved her beauty. But he did not know Faith, for he had no depths in himself to sound the deeps of another heart. They crossed the room to a corner table where a sheltering palm partly hid them from the rest of the room. A huge bouquet of American Beauty roses occupied the center of the table, and were tied with streamers of palest pink ribbon. A little card lay near the vase, and on it was written, To the one woman of my life, whom I hope some dear day to make my wife. 
the room was very warm but faith shivered as pierre slipped her cloak off her fair shoulders with a lingering touch are you cold dear he asked laying his hand softly on her shoulder no it is very warm here and she removed his hand from her shoulder and sat down near the window that faced broadway you are very quiet to-night and very cold in spite of the summer warmth here remarked pierre carelessly eyeing her admiringly to you have i not been usually so she inquired icily maybe but you have wit and wisdom and can become enthusiastic and warm when you please returned pierre and i please to treat you as i have always done and i suppose my wit is to be cold and my wisdom to be quiet and faith twisted the streamers of ribbon into a knot pierre smiled you are almost perfect but one thing one quality one virtue if you like is wanting or rather lacking and that is she queried indifferently picking up a menu card written for the occasion love and pierre's eyes burned into hers but she turned her head away and gazed out of the window saying coolly i don't understand you mr gaspard i loved my husband you mean you thought you loved him and you may well say loved for it is past and gone faith said nothing but the pink flesh of her palms turned red from the force with which her nails sank into them pierre continued insistently and cruelly it was a dream faith the dream of a day sweet with sunshine and beauty but it faded faded ere the day closed as the vapours of morning vanished before the sun so the mystery died and the fire that destroyed the mystery was a violent spirit and it burned the ethereal the ideal love and left you the ashes death she was silent a moment and then said quietly my husband is not dead no but he were better so exclaimed pierre faith's eyes flashed fire as she answered this is not a fitting subject for discussion between you and i and yet it is the one nearest your heart and most in your thoughts said pierre leaning across the table and searching her eyes when did you find that you were clairvoyant she asked coolly and when did you cease to love freedom he parried this counter-thrust told on her for she closed her eyes a moment and then leaned her head on the palm of her hand pierre continued speaking your husband has not divorced you because you have left him nor can you get a separation do you know that he has offered a large reward for information of your whereabouts your beauty is dear to him he is willing to pay any price for its return faith arose quickly you insult me how dare you i do not believe it it cannot be true i will leave you this instant read this and pierre handed her a newspaper cutting faith held out an unsteady hand and clutched it slowly she read it and slowly but surely a cloud of indignation resentment and defiance gathered in her face the color rose in her cheeks while her eyelids dropped till the eyes seemed to contract for faith was being tempted in her weakest moments when anger filled her heart at her husband's indignity and cruelty to herself she laid the cutting on the table with an almost nerveless hand and pierre slipped it into his pocket will you leave me now he inquired with a half smile faith sat down slowly and dropped her head in her hands wretchedly 
"'Then you believe it?' asked Pierre. "'As it is written,' answered she wearily. Pierre reached across the table and clasped one of her hands. Faith withdrew it and laid it on the window-sill, lifting her head haughtily. "'You are unhappy,' continued her tormentor. "'Am I?' was the listless response. "'You know you are,' persisted Pierre. "'That's a question,' returned she, tearing a rose to pieces. "'You were once very happy,' continued the man, taking a cruel sort of pleasure out of worrying his lovely victim, as a street cur would revel in the killing of a rare Persian cat. "'And that is problematical,' said Faith slowly. Pierre lit a cigar. "'You are not just like other girls I have known,' he meditated, as if to be unlike the others of her sex was akin to insanity or to something essentially criminal. Faith piled the torn rose-leaves together before she answered with the least curl of her lip. "'That is very unfortunate.' "'Why?' he queried. "'Familiarity breeds contempt,' she said, ignoring his remark. "'You and I have not yet arrived at that stage in our duel. "'I draw a fine line between my present feelings and that. "'But if, with your weapon, that slip of paper, "'you drive me into a corner, I will cross the line, your Rubicon, "'and the end will be a tragedy.' "'Pierre continued his smoking in silence, "'and his companion listlessly watched the passers-by "'in the ever-hurrying traffic of Broadway.' Among the palms, at one end of the room, an orchestra was playing a symphony on love, its war, and its weariness. Presently, Pierre laid down his cigar, remarking quietly, "'It is the fashion just now to serve coffee in the Turkish rooms upstairs. Let us go there. We can talk in peace, and it is cooler.' Faith arose mechanically, while Pierre gathered up her cloak and the roses and followed her out of the room. "'You have never thanked me for these.' he said, holding the roses toward her. But Faith Winston's hand was busy with her amethyst bracelet. "'Why should I?' she asked carelessly. "'Common courtesy,' he returned. "'My courtesy is uncommon,' remarked she, still busy with her bracelet and not offering to take the flowers. "'It comes from the heart and is natural. You compelled me here. How can I thank you for a present of roses?' It is a part of the force which brought me here and makes you my enemy. Pierre shook his head. Not your enemy, but something you need. A lover. The worst enemy of a married woman, exclaimed Faith defiantly as they entered one of the oriental rooms. The rooms opened into one another, but were curtained off with oriental draperies, each room in a different color. Pierre chose a green room. "'It makes a lovely background for your beauty, Faith,' he said admiringly. "'You are like a violet in a bed of moss here.' She laughed carelessly. "'A pale violet. "'If I am a violet, what are you?' "'A toadstool. "'I spoil the pretty effect of the picture.' And he stood in the doorway, thoroughly enjoying the beauty of the woman near him. Colored lamps in red and green of eastern workmanship softened the light, leaving strange shadows to lurk in the corners. The walls were hung in oriental draperies of green and gold. A silken Persian rug covered the floor, a maze of colors, weaving an intricate pattern full of the mysticism of the Orient. A teakwood table, a lounge with a wilderness of soft cushions, an easy chair of oriental make and some stools finished the apartment. 
the odors of incense and potpourri pervaded the air like invisible eastern magicians and intoxicated the occupants with a sense of luxury and indolence the sensuous nature of pierre succumbed to its influence intensified as it was by the rare loveliness of his companion a waiter entered laying down a brass tray on the table with coffee and cigarettes faith lay back among the cushions on the lounge she was very tired it had been a long trying day for her and she closed her eyes with a sigh of relief it was only for a moment but the moment was too strong a temptation for pierre gaspard faith felt his warm breath near her lips and she opened her eyes and looked steadily into his pierre how dare you is this a part of your common courtesy or is it my enemy it is neither oh faith i love you i love you madly wildly you are so beautiful that i cannot resist you you kill me with love and he caught her in his arms faith pushed him gently away kill you she exclaimed in icy tones it may be unfortunate that you speak in figurative language mr gaspard otherwise perchance it were better so for you but i would live faith he cried passionately to possess you would be life indeed to me i have loved you for years never since your marriage have i spoken of it but it has lived on just as it did before i have longed to tell you of my love these last cruel years but i restrained myself you mean you never had the opportunity came her cold satirical rejoinder you have me at a disadvantage now how cruel you are broke hotly from pierre and if i were kind she queried with a curl of her lip i would make you my wife when he dies we would leave this country now and live elsewhere in any clime in any land that please you till then we have not long to wait for he is a physical wreck and death is ever creeping on him i love you i have money millions i have everything but you dearest faith be mine and he tried to take her hands in his but she recoiled mr gaspard this is not a subject for me to listen to i may respect your love for me but i can never never love you your money is nothing to me when i had millions it burned my fingers and the blisters are scarce healed come pierre don't destroy what respect i have left for you i did trust you but we are not even friends now you swept that away at the boniface today if you will not have me when i ask you in this way i will compel you to be mine in another way he cried moving closer to her on the lounge and slipping his arm around her quickly faith jumped up and hurried to the door if you touch me i shall scream she said coolly determinedly my kisses will seal your lips returned pierre eyeing her cynically not before i have made the attempt she said resolutely you know what will be the consequences if you scream sneered pierre gaspard your reputation will suffer the public will hear and it is no gentle critic of subjects such as you will offer a scandal is the meeting-place of busybodies and carrion for the vultures of society pierre lighted a cigarette and then added sardonically anyway where is a woman in an affair of this kind the woman always gets the worst of it by some unwritten inexorable law whether she is innocent or not faith remained silent then she said slowly deliberately i would rather go back to my husband debauchee and wreck though he is and lose my freedom 
even my life, then I would choose the existence you hold out, which is like a cup of salt water to one dying of thirst. My sufferings are great now. My memory sears my life with the past few years. But my conscience is clear. The existence you would force me to would be torture, wholly and solely. A life of greater misery I can scarce imagine. Sudden suicide would be far, far better than a living suicide such as that. A dead heart. Death to conscience. Death to my soul. A living, breathing, pulsing death. Its end would be tragic. Pierre, do you not see its horror? Faith had stood before him like a statue, her cheeks white as whitest marble, but she leaned across the table now, and her eyes flamed with a wonderful light as she bent them on Pierre Gaspard. What a great love hers would have been had the fire which is burning at the horror of sin burned at the altar of love, thought Pierre as he watched her, yet he shrank a little before the intense truth of her eyes and his own wavered. As a tragedy, queen, her beauty is more enthralling than ever. With a sudden movement, Pierre Gaspard seized her hand firmly in both of his. I love you, Faith. Love you. You are more beautiful in your sorrows than in your joys. More than ever I love you. Faith, my idol. And he would have clasped her in his arms, but she was too quick for him. She touched the electric bell with her free hand and gasped, in a tone as cold as it was intense. Pierre Gaspard, you have crossed the Rubicon, and now you are my enemy. And Pierre was vanquished. He dropped her hand, and Faith Winston, completely exhausted, sank into the chair, closing her eyes wearily, miserably. A waiter came in answer to the bell. Take away the coffee, and ask someone to call a cab, she said carelessly. Yes, ma'am, and the waiter vanished with the tray. Then she turned to Pierre and continued quietly but firmly, I am going home, to my boarding house. You can go. Good night. And Pierre Gaspard did as she bade him, for he had paid his price and received nothing in return. The merit of all shallow natures, who hope to force the seeds of love from rocky ground, and never know its soul. End of section 22 Recording by Melissa Green